Although Fitzy couldn't quite make it. Fitzy uh, could not finish. No surprise. He tapped out early. And we are going to go to the Harbor One hotline now to pick up the slack with our favorite guest, not only on the Fitzy and Hart program, but the Six Rings podcast and probably on WEEI in general. Joining us now is NFL Network's Mike Giardi, one of the great experts on the New England Patriots and really all things football. Mike, how are we doing on this New Year's Eve Eve? Uh, we're enjoying the weather, right? Nice day off. Big big uh, change from the way it's been the last couple of weeks for sure. Well, I'm enjoying the inside of a studio, but I believe you that it's nice out there. I can see if I turn my head and I kind of stretch my neck, I can see the sun on the trees in the distance over the parking lot. So uh, I do appreciate you. Uh, joining us and picking up the slack for Fitzy. And I also will let you know that uh, you're guaranteed we've had, you're the third interview of the program today, and you are guaranteed to be the best because, uh, no offense to these individuals, but uh, Miles Bryant was um, not overly energetic, and I don't blame him for that. Tough spot for him filling in. And Bill Walton, well, let's just say I never, literally never asked a question, and I believe he's still speaking. So um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to this interview, a little back-and-forth Patriots talk. And I want to start with something I believe you said to us maybe about two weeks ago when you joined us, and you kind of opened some eyes, maybe created some waves when you said you thought there was at least a chance that we would see Nick Cayley call plays and Bailey Zappi throw passes for the New England Patriots over the final three weeks. And last uh, last Sunday, the game against the Bengals, the way the first half went, um, I thought you might be prescient in both directions. Do you think there was a consideration against the Bengals down 22 to nothing in the offense, really playing some putrid football at that point? I know the chants were calling for Zappi. Do you think there were discussions in the home locker room at Gillette Stadium about putting Zappi in the game? I think they were going to give him an opportunity to try to work his way out of that because I think when we looked at the way that game played out in the first half, despite the irrational chance for Zappi, uh, the issues that the Patriots offense were first and foremost in design, second of all in pretty much everybody but Mac's execution. So I know we're going to get called apologists for Mac, but if you watch the game and you know what you're watching, uh, what was happening around him, for about the fourth time this year, maybe the fifth, maybe the eighth, I don't know how deep you want to go, um, was bad, was really bad. Um, So I I felt like it was one of those situations where he was going to come out for the third quarter, and then if you got to midway through the third quarter and it still wasn't happening, then you do it for a jolt, hoping that you can catch some lightning in a bottle. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, I think they're in a situation, Andy, where you got to win, right? So, yeah. I have feelings can can't be accounted for here. It's all about getting the dub, and however you can get the dub, you got to do it. And if that means putting in the backup, um, then I think that's something that still remains on the table. So, uh, before we get into the play calling, because I want to take that in a different direction, you bring up you got to get the win here. And one of the debates that's been going on, at least with our listeners, our texters, our Twitter followers this week, is. Do you even want the Patriots to win? Would you rather they lose out, get the draft pick? You know, the example I've used and others have used is Justin, Justin Jefferson went a pick before the Patriots a couple of years ago. Do you think this team will benefit from a trip to the playoffs? Or in a weird way, could that actually set back whatever uh, transitional period you're in right now? So I'm one of those people that is um, a big believer in just overall talent acquisition. Yep. And when I look at this team and what they've been through the first 15 games of their year, I don't see any scenario in which they're going to, as a seven seed, beat whoever the two is, Kansas City, Buffalo, 
Cincinnati. Like, I just don't. Wait, they almost just beat the Bengals. No, they didn't. They, they, they I mean, they I mean, did, but they didn't. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, it was, it was, it was 22 nothing. That team took their foot off the gas. And when they went to go put it back on, they couldn't quite find it. And you still needed um, a miracle catch, uh, a pick six when, you know, their elite receiver and their elite quarterback weren't on the same page. Like, I, you know, whatever. I guess, yeah, you can say, like, legitimately, they had the ball, they were down four, and if Ramondre doesn't fumble, maybe you, you squeak that one out. Um, but I don't think from a talent perspective they're on the same page, so um, in the same class. So I, I just – I don't know what the point is. You know, like, I mean, I mean, maybe there's some – if you were somehow able to win these next two and just – and then be respectable in a playoff game – that that allows, I don't know, boosting of confidence of certain players that have struggled like Mac. Um, but that also may give Bill ammunition to go to Robert and say, I told you it was going to, it was going to take some time, but it was going to eventually work. And, you know, maybe that's how Matt Patricia ends up remaining as the offensive coordinator. So Easy. you have to look at it in, in all different sort of layers of, of how the coach would spin it to the owner who was, you know, there's, like I said, there's definitely some unrest in terms of what this team has looked like, especially offensively this year. I'd like to report to the uh, Boston Police, Massachusetts State Police at one thirty one thirty p.m. Mike Giardi said something that may have caused some cars to drive off the road in the greater <laughs> Boston area. Matt Patricia remaining in his role as play caller. But the counter to that is Tommy Curran and others saying that the Bill O'Brien smoke could be fire, even though Bill O'Brien has said he hasn't spoken to anyone in New England since April. Do you believe Bill O'Brien will be the Patriots offensive coordinator once this season ends for both Alabama and the Patriots? Uh, I would not put money on that. I, I'll oh. tell you this. So, so to me, um, one is there is definitely some strong like for Bill O'Brien amongst ownership here in New England. So that's definitely um, something that I think ownership would, would want. My question for you is, Mm. or the, the way I would throw this back at you is Bill's going to have other opportunities. And how long does it take Bill Belichick to do the deep dive on his football team and to decide that, yes, we cannot run it back with the same offensive coaching staff, or yes, I need Bill O'Brien to be my coach. Is that, is that something that happens the day after the season ends? And you remember, we've talked to him many times when the, when the season ends, and, like, yeah. you know, you're, you're getting nothing. Like, uh, we haven't even thought about this. We were worried about the game. We haven't, you know, and whether that's true or not, like, you don't get anything. I, I don't know how fast he's going to come to that conclusion. Um, what if he comes to the conclusion that, my quarterback undermined my season this year with my offensive coordinator. What if he comes to the conclusion that, well, my offensive line coach, who also happens to be my play caller, he just didn't do a good enough job. And if we get a better offensive line coach, then there's more protection for our quarterback. And then the things that we tried to run and couldn't, we now can run. Like he convinced himself last off season that this was a good plan. Mm. When, when, when we all were like, eh, you sure about that? And then when we saw it, we're like, no, it's not a good plan. But they stuck with it, and we were reminded over and over again that these are good coaches, and good coaches are good coaches no matter what they're coaching. Um, so, like, I don't, I don't think it's a slam dunk. I don't, and I, honestly, if I'm Bill, like, 
And if I know that ownership really likes Bill O'Brien, do I necessarily want him on my staff if, say, <laughs> I want to coach for three or four more years? Or if I want Steven to be the, the next guy or I want Matt to be the next guy? Like, I don't know. I mean, ego comes in – ego – I mean, there's a ton of ego. You know it. Yep. I know it. And, we, and we, you know, the, 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 the sycophants, they don't believe it. Like, oh, no, it's always what's best for the team. Eh, not always. Sometimes it's what's always best for Bill. Because so, that's just human nature. Hey, listen, Bill Walton, stop talking. Uh, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I was on a roll there. You were on a roll there. Um, so I want to pose a little theory I've had that actually came to me this week while watching Matt Patricia handle his Zoom duties and mm-hmm. discuss how bad the offense is, the third down plays specifically, issues there. And I watched him do so in a really impressive way, quite honestly, with a with a smile, great question, good point. Like, he's saying all the the PR right things. And in my head, I'm, I'm comparing that to the guy that went off the rails in Detroit. When the pressure hit and the performances were bad, he he didn't react to it well. You know, we all, we've all seen the highlights. Oh, you know, I got on my resume, Malcolm Butler. Oh, would you sit up and have some respect for the pro-? – like, he didn't handle it well. He kind of crumbled under the pressure of losing in spotlight in Detroit. And I look at the way he's handling it now where people are just taking – pot shots at him pot shots at the scheme individual plays and he's handling it well and you know what it made me think you know why he's handling it well he's faking it he's a method actor he knows he's only in the job till the season ends he was literally a filler and that this whole thing was just a delay because of these these unwritten Belichickian Saban rules where he couldn't go after Bill O'Brien he's getting his two years in at Alabama can't take from the other blah 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 and that Matt knew all along that he was taking a bullet for the team. It's easy to smile through adversity when you're like, this isn't really my job. I'm not taking this seriously. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a solid for my mentor. I'm, I'm helping him out. Is there any way that you think this was a finite plan, that they were doing this for just this year? Matt Patricia knew it, Joe Judge knew it, and Bill Belichick knew it, and that that's why he's handling it well and knows that the second the season ends, he's out. Well, did Mac, was Mac made aware of the plan? No, that's the problem. <laughs> and the rest of the offensive guys that nope. have, and the rest of the offensive guys that have grumbled throughout nope. the season about the the design, the play call, the plan, the whole thing. No. So that's where I fight back on that because I just don't believe that Bill would kind of punt on a season. Well, didn't he do it a I couple of years ago with Cam Newton when he said they weren't invested as they'd been in the past? It was a reset well, season. I mean, he, yeah, well, he, but he did try to spin the salary cap thing, which I still, you know, Tried. you know how I feel about the salary cap. Um, I also think, and the more I kind of look back on that season, I, I still kind of feel like Cam might have been the perfect, like, bridge because he just didn't give a bleep. So, like, being Tom Brady's replacement was not a, like, it wasn't impacting him. I mean, he couldn't play. That that impacted everybody. But in terms of his mentality and his and his confidence, borderline athletic arrogance, like, it didn't didn't phase him. And maybe if you put, Mac Jones directly into that or some rookie quarterback um, that that's just an untenable situation that you can't win, you know, and this is now you've got, all right, well now that was bad quarterback play. Then Mac comes in and gives you pretty good quarterback play as a rookie. And you're like, Oh, see, they, they know what they're doing. They know how to coach it up. Um, so, you know, I, I wonder, I wonder if that whole year was, and, and again, they'll tell you that year, even as messed up as it was and for the things that Cam couldn't do, 
uh, a play here or a play there, and all of a sudden we're nine and seven, and not seven and nine. Oh, and I know, right? Oh, yeah. If Cam doesn't fumble against the Bills, you win that game. Mm. Blah blah blah. Oh, yeah. You didn't. You, the, four, pa- the fourth and one against Seattle. Like, uh, oh, absolutely. Oh, what happens there. And as Paul Perillo likes to say, if my aunt had testicles, she'd be my <laughs> uncle. That's not the way the world works right now. Um, so let's have a little. Um, let me ask you a question about Mac Jones to get back to his. Uh, stability slash instability is he playing for his job over the next two weeks and is there a possibility they bring somebody in of interest in the offseason whether it's a draft pick a veteran a baker mayfield i don't know somebody or do you think the depth chart at quarterback come august will be basically what it was last year with zappy mack and and hoyer i don't think he can fall on his face these last two weeks i don't, i mean if i look I, as someone who came into the year as a Believer, not again, not that he was going to be a star, but just going to, he was going to be a good quarterback and he was going to be a good quarterback for a long time. I, I, as I've said before, the first thing I put on this is the, is the way they designed this offense and taking away some of his strengths, which is completely illogical, but again, just falls in line with the whole plan from, from whatever the winter on. But that said, like at some point you just got to, if you're good enough, you can rise above it. And he hasn't been able to rise above it enough. And it sort of leaves me wondering, like, you know, did they, did they realize that the ceiling here is just not, it's just, it's not good enough. You know, who was the last quarterback to rise above having a defensive coordinator call plays? (laughs) That's an excellent question. I'll hang up and listen. No, I won't really. That would be awkward. Excellent question. Um, So I think that another issue that's come up with Mac this week as we talk about his stability and is he playing for his job and there's various opinions in either direction, who drafted Mac Jones? I still think Bill drafted him. I know. I know the the collaboration and the feeling that it was a craft pick or Mm. it was a Ziegler pick or a grow pick. I, I don't think that at that position that Bill's not going to be okay with it. I think that would be a, that'd be one of those things that we would have heard about from, from we would have heard about fairly soon after that pick was made. Like this isn't Bill's guy. Like, and that, that would have already set the skits, the stage for like Bill exit stage, right. To go coach whomever. Right. And, and you get a first round pick for it or something. Like, I, I just don't, it's a great theory, but I just, I can't, I can't wrap my head around that one. So therefore, if Bill at the end of this season tells Robert that Mac is not the guy, Bill is the one who's wrong, and doesn't that therefore cause Robert to question uh, Bill's decision-making and the things he's done the last couple of years? So my, my extension point would be, if Bill pulls the plug on Mac, is he in some ways undercutting himself? Well, so when you ask me that question, I think that Mac is your starting quarterback to begin next year, or is it's here with to your point, a Baker Mayfield or somebody else, but like it's his gig to lose. Okay. Like I, I just think he'll get another opportunity, especially if they do make a change at the coordinator spot. But yeah, I mean, look, I think the ownership has questions already. I think there's already been meetings about what's the direction of this offense and why the hell do we look like this, you know, 16 weeks into the year. Like it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be this way. And my argument is, well, that, no, that's the operation that you put in place. It's middling. The whole thing's been middling. And that's why you are 7-8 and eight and fighting for a playoff spot. So let's flip to the other side of the field come Sunday at Gillette Stadium where Teddy Bridgewater will start at quarterback. 
Uh, I know you have good connections in Miami, and you cover a lot of teams on the East Coast. I think uh, some have perceived that Tua's latest concussion uh, could put his career, quite honestly, in jeopardy. Would that then open the door for the idea of Tom Brady going to the Miami Dolphins for the 2023 season? Yeah, I haven't closed. Like, I didn't even close it, the door on Brady going there, even when Tua was playing well and healthy. I That, that owner wants that. Um, I don't know that the head coach wants that, but I think the owner wants that, and he's the one who signs the checks. I think if Tom wants to play, and now that you have, now now we really have the Tua situation with the with the health, right? Look, I think he's going to play again, whether that's this year or, you know, not. we don't see him again until OTAs in the spring. I, I don't know. I can't. I don't have the the crystal ball, but like, yeah, I think that that definitely would come into play. It almost adds more to it now than okay, well, the guy that we we like and was doing a good job, he just can't stay healthy. We can't trust it. So how about Tom Brady for one year? You know, as the with Tyreek Hill, with Jalen Waddle, um, you know, Teron Armstead, Connor Williams, the guys they spend money on in free agency. Like, there are enough pieces in place. Plus, it would keep Brady in, you know, on the East Coast and in Florida, which I think is where Giselle and yep, the kids yep, are. So, yep, yep. Yeah. makes a lot of so, sense. Um, sure. Okay, I'm sure you've heard about this because it's very popular on the internet. It's Andy Hart's three point plan to fixing the Patriots this off season. Uh, bullet point one was Billy O'Brien. You just said you wouldn't bet uh, on that necessarily just yet at this point. Uh, bullet point number two is go find yourself a number one wide receiver. And I have two options for you. Two options. One, I like it. we saw last Sunday at Gillette Stadium, T. Higgins. One more year left on his contract. He uh, sort of embarrassed some of your secondary last week. I'm going to guess the Bengals can't keep him and then keep Chase down the road and then keep Barrett. Like, feels like he could be an odd man out, a true number one, who could maybe be had if you make the right trade offer. Would you rather have T. Higgins or... In light of what's gone on in Vegas with Josh McDaniels alienating another veteran quarterback, as he is wont to do when he takes over as a head coach of a team, could you go get Devontae Adams and revisit the little trade path that brought you Randy Moss once upon a time? Devontae Adams or T. Higgins, which one's more likely to be the Patriots' number one wide receiver in 2023? I, <laughs> can I say neither? Oh, you're not fun. No, you can't say you neither. Can't pay you can't I mean, look, it would be a massive – I'm I'm for it. I like the idea. And I think we've seen guys succeed now. You saw what it's done for, for Jalen Hurts with having A.J. Brown. Like, obviously for two, having yeah. not just one, but two. Yeah, let's go. You got to pay him. Yeah, it's only money. It's salary cap. Okay, we all know you can move it around. This is not something Bill's ever wanted to do. I, I disagree. First- I, I was – Can I lose Mike Giardi and now have music playing? He might have gotten another call. I've never had that happen before. Two two okay. interviews today where I've never had things happen like that. Okay, well, we broke our third interview of the day. I want to thank NFL Network's Mike Giardi for joining us, even though he was poo-pooing all my endless theories on how to fix the Patriots, who'd be coaching, who'd be playing wide receiver. Fitzy has jumped ship. Mike Giardi has weird music playing when I'm trying to talk to him and have a good football debate. 